Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today, part two, I want to look at the subject of standing out. Standing out, not standing strong. I believe if you stand strong for Jesus, you will stand out. Amen? If you stand strong, if you can learn to go through those seasons... And and we've all gone through them. If you can learn to go through those seasons, you're going to stand out. Because people around you are going to look at you and say, I don't know how they do this. What is it about that person that enables them to stand strong through these trials? It's standing out for Jesus. And I want to talk about this today because I really believe that some of us sometimes we're so beaten down that we no longer stand out. We need to stand out for God. I want to show you a picture in just a moment, not yet, but I was, I was cycling down um, Mill Road the other day and I was coming in to, to work. Um, yes, I never use the car, I always cycle. And I was cycling down, Emma's always got the car, I was cycling down Mill Road doing my exercise for the week. And as I came down, I, was, I was nearly fell off my bike because in the middle of the traffic lights, I saw a gentleman dressed in a Spider-Man's outfit. I mean, I, I nearly stopped to take a picture of him. But I got another one on the internet, which is exactly the same. It's not the same person. They, they must be all around the country or the world. I'm not sure if this is in America or the UK. But that's what he looked like. He had a sign. It was for Papa John's Pizza. Who likes Papa John's here? I know I do. And I saw this. I mean, I don't know about you, but many years ago, you'd have seen people holding signs to tell you there was a deal on them. By the way, as a northerner, I like a good deal. I don't know if you get a pizza in Cambridge for six ninety nine, but it's probably twenty ninety nine. But I saw this. I saw this guy, and I thought to myself, "Isn't it crazy that now?" Years ago, we'd have seen someone holding a sign. But what happens is in our lives is, is that we get used to people doing this. So we have to go to another level. We have to tell the person who does this job to go and put a Spider-Man's outfit on. I mean, imagine arriving at work and saying, first day of job is your communications business is, you've got to put this suit on. How many of us would quit? Probably some, in fact, maybe one of you is Spider-Man here. Come on, hands up. You see... What happens is, in our lives, we look around and we we start to get complacent. We start to get used to the things around us. No longer do we see the man with the sign. So the people know, you've got to attract some attention. And listen to me today. I really believe that in our lives as Christians, from the day we gave our life to Jesus, God is calling us to stand out. He's calling you and me, no matter who you are, whether you're, you think you're in ministry or you're not. Everyone, I said it last week, is in ministry. We're called to represent Jesus. We're called to stand out. And I believe, just like this person, we have a message to communicate. The Bible says that we mess, uh, the message of reconciliation, the good news. We have that message to communicate. But not only that, we need to stand out so that people... Uh, catch the attention. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great writer and speaker, said this, when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. When the church is absolutely 
absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. Why the word she? The bride, as we heard recently. The bride of Christ will attract the unbelievers, will attract people. And I truly believe today that we've got to make sure that as a church, as individuals, that we're different from the world around us. Acts chapter 8, I want to look at today. We're going to move a few chapters on, staying in the book of Acts. And I want to read a story here, and then I want to bring out just a few points. Acts chapter 8, verse 9 says this. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon, this is Simon the sorcerer, saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. This story talks about a a man you may have heard of. There's lots of Simons in the Bible. This is about Simon the sorcerer, the magician, the person in Samaria who was doing amazing miracles, amazing sorcery acts that attracted his followers. People loved to see what he did. In fact, it says they called him the great power of God. This is not just some, this is not your average Paul Daniels, if you know who Paul Daniels is. This is not just a simple card trick on Britain's Got Talent. This man was attracting people to the level that they gave him a title, the great power of God. And we see that Philip the evangelist arrives in this place and the message that he proclaims changes the whole atmosphere. I mean, you've got an atmosphere here of someone who's attracted people. Whether he fooled them in his, in his sorcery, we don't know. But what we do know is he attracted them so much that they followed him around. 
Philip the evangelist shows up. But who stands out even more is Philip in his message and the demonstration of power that accompanied it. I believe that Simon wanted himself to stand out above everything else. Above all of his, he wanted people to follow him rather than Jesus. And I believe in our lives we need to check that Jesus is first. That people see Jesus and not us. Amen? Sometimes we want to stand out for ourselves and not for Jesus. We want to stand out for who we are and not for him. And Simon here is a great example of that. But I believe to stand out for God, it's to represent the face of Jesus. One of the things that was said in the worship this morning, first of all, was is that we want to see Jesus' face. We, we long to see his face. That day when he comes, you'll know it's Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, it won't be a matter of someone saying, hey, did you know that Jesus has returned? I've seen it on Sky TV. It says just as the, the, the lightning flashes from the east to the west, you will know of his coming. And I want to tell you today that we in our lives are supposed to not represent ourselves, but we're supposed to represent Jesus. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it should come up on the screen. He says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into whose image? His image, not our image, not that we can look really good and get a good ministry going on a website. No, His image. Then it says this, with ever increasing glory. Why do I say that? Because I believe as Christians, we need to be increasing from glory to glory to glory to glory. Since the day you received Jesus Christ, we are supposed to represent the face of Jesus. We're supposed to be the ones who represent his glory. And I want to tell you today that we need to be building up in glory, representing in brightness for him. But some of us sometimes are saying, I, I feel a little bit dim. I feel like I'm going down rather than representing. I want to encourage you today that we need to start to change our lives so that we can get into sync with this and start to increase from glory to glory so that when people see us, they see Jesus. Amen? What did the apostles do here to stand out? Well, number one is they had spiritual authenticity. You'll find that Philip here, when he brings his message, this good news, and proclaims the message that actually there was an authenticity about him. You'll find today that you look around and there's so many different uh, ministries available today. So many different things that you look at online that you get so confused of doctrines, different things, what people say. I was chatting to someone the other day and they said, I love all this kind of teaching, but there's just this one thing. I want to encourage you that if you ever listen to someone and you feel that one thing's wrong, don't dismiss the person. Don't just dismiss the person just for one thing. I always ask God to help me in my spirit to accept the good things and reject the bad stuff. Because I'll tell you, we're all flesh. We all get things wrong. In fact, sometimes I'm going to speak from this platform and I'm going to get things probably wrong. You're probably surprised by that, but we can. We can miss things, get things wrong. And I ask God to help me to bring the word as clear as possible to help you. I really, really believe that as Christians, we need to be authentic. 
authentic believers that when people see you, they don't see anything else but Jesus Christ. In you, the hope of glory. Verse 12 of Acts chapter 8, it says this, when, the peop- when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now what we see here is that Simon the sorcerer, the one who was given a position and a title to attract people now gives his life to Jesus. He says, I believe and I want to be baptized. But we find out later that actually something else was wrong inside of him. He said one thing with his mouth, but actually his whole of his life wasn't really in sync with his mouth. Some of us today are like that. We can say we love Jesus, we, can, we follow Jesus, but actually our lives don't really reflect him. And I want to encourage you today that everything in our lives should be authentic. Philip was not ashamed of speaking of the name of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today is when you're in work or wherever you are in college, are you ashamed of using the name of Jesus? Are you ashamed of telling that person in work about Jesus who you know? Some of us are so good at Sunday church, but we're not very good on Mondays. We get into work or we get into that place. And in fact, actually, I'd ask you this question. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? We sing the songs on Sunday, but when was the last time that you went into work and said, I had an amazing time at church yesterday? Perhaps you didn't. But maybe when you get into work, you had an amazing time and you tell someone about what God's doing in your life. People need to hear about what Jesus is doing. Let me tell you, you will see the difference between an authentic Christian and someone who's not. You recognize in their voice the authenticity that something is happening deep within that makes them want to proclaim the name of Jesus wherever they are in their lives. The other day I was on the phone and I had to phone someone up and now, I don't know if you've ever used this, but now a lot of places are using voice recognition. You can ring up, no longer do you have to press the, I get so lost with pressing the numbers and and going through the sequences of press number two if you want this and you go through and then you get to number 10 and by the time you go to number 10, none of the options that are left are what you'd ever wanted to start with. So you end up just hanging the phone up and you've spent 10 pounds on this call already. You know it. I've done it many times and then I'm trying to remember which was the other options that I should have pressed that stopped me from getting to number 10. And then I end up doing it sometimes where I press buttons that even though it's not the thing I want, I think I know that the person on the other end of the line is at that number. So that I get through and they said, do you want to change your account? I said, no, I just need to speak to you. It's the only way I'm going to get you. And sometimes we do this. And now they brought in voice recognition. I phone up someone the other day and I ring up and it says this, before you get through to your call, we want to set up voice recognition for the future. Would you like to do this? So I said, yes. I thought, this sounds amazing. And then he said, we need to do several things. So I listened to the instructions. He said, we need you to repeat after the beep, my voice is my password in lots of different ways. So if you'd have heard me, I was in the house and I said, my voice is my password. And I thought, actually, sometimes when I'm ill, I need to change. I need to do a different voice. So I was going, my voice is my password. My voice is my password. 
I kept repeating. He said, please do it again. So I'd repeat again. And I was trying all different voices. If you'd have heard me, you loved it. All these different voices to make sure the system got all the different types. The truth is this, that it's supposed to be reliable. But the unique thing with it is this, is that the, the detection of the system can detect your voice. And I want to tell you that God knows and actually we can sense when someone's really been authentic. We need to know that we're authentic in our faith. That the voice we proclaim is not just something for sure, but it's actually something from our hearts. It's authentic. It has an identity that you know is authentic in your life. I put here that a person on fire for God will always stand out from the crowd, not stand with the crowd. They'll always stand out from the crowd. You notice this all the time. Someone who's on fire for God when the Holy Spirit is upon them. You can sense that this person does not want to join the crowd. They want to separate themselves. Look, some of you are saying, well, aren't we supposed to hang around with these people? Yes, we are. There's nothing wrong with hanging around with the unbelievers. That's what Jesus did. But Jesus stood out from the crowd. That's why you read a book. You read about Jesus of what he did on this earth because he stood out from the crowd. He says there are not enough books to contain the things that Jesus did. Yet he hung around with the unbelievers. He loved to hang around with the sinners. But he stood out from the crowd. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen to me. Many of us sing the song, Light of the world, you came out of darkness, into darkness. We sing the song proclaiming, and the Bible says that He is the light of the world. But have you ever read this scripture that doesn't say that Jesus is the light of the world? It says that you are. You are the light of the world. Why? Because when the light of Jesus Christ is inside us, we represent him. Did you know that he has put your light, that his light inside of you so that you can represent him? You are the light of the world, Jesus said to his followers. You, because my light is going to be inside of you. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen to me, if you've got that light inside of you, if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, listen, if you hide the light, it's intentional. You see, Jesus puts his light. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it talks about treasures in jars of clay. And it proves that this power is not from us, but it's from God. This all-surpassing power is put inside of us. When God does that in your life, if you want to hide Jesus and be ashamed of him on Monday, it's intentional. Because listen, you know that in the Old Testament, Moses was radiant when he'd been in the presence of God. When you're radiant in his presence, when you love Jesus with all your heart and your soul, listen to me, if you want to hide him, it's intentional. And some of us, sometimes, we do cover up the light on Monday. We hide Jesus and we don't stand out from the crowd. And I want to encourage you, Jesus is looking for us. He says, you are the light of the world. You're the ones who are going to represent me. You're the ones who I've left here. That's why it's good that I've gone, so that my spirit can come within you. And represent the King of Kings. I want you to just look at this scripture with me in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Paul says this, for God 
who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. What does Paul reference here? I want you to just capture this for a moment because we skip over these scriptures, but there's something that I saw here that I've never seen before. Paul said this, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. What is he referring to there? He's referring to the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1, 3, he said this, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Did you get this? So before, before Paul tells you that you have a light inside of you that's been given by God to give you knowledge of his glory displayed in the face of Christ. He says, before I'm going to tell you that sentence, there's one thing I want to describe to you of how that light has come into your life. And this is what he says. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness. In other words, I want to tell you something. The God who you knew in Genesis 1-3, who said, let there be light and there was light. The same God who, who made this great ball of fire in the sky to provide light for you. The same God who did this is the one who also makes his light shine on the inside of you. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited by that message. I could just preach on that alone today because I believe that God wants you to know that the light inside of you is not just a little flickering candle. It's intense. I'm sorry I'm shouting, but I'm trying to be as intense as the sun. It's intense. Do you know about the sun? I've done a bit of research. The sun, it says this, the size of the sun is over one million earths inside. Oh, you feel small now, yeah? One million earths can fit inside the sun. The temperature of it can reach 15 million degrees Celsius. The distance from the earth is approximately 150 million kilometers away. This is just the sun. You look at the sky, you see God's glory. It represents who he is. It represents how big our God is. It represents, sometimes if you want to just remind yourself of what God has done in your life, you want to remind yourself to stay strong, just take a walk outside in your garden one night and just sit down and look up at the stars and you'll see what Jesus has done. You'll see what God has done. You'll see who he is. Why? Because the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 33 verse 6. He said this, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Did you hear that? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. That's Genesis 1-3 that he's referring to. The heavens were made and their starry host by the breath of his mouth. In other words, by the breath of his mouth... You can see the sun come into being. When he said, let there be light, he birthed the sun. This great ball of fire that was burning in the sky, that is still burning today. This intense heat that we can go out right now and feel the heat of it, even though it's 150 million kilometers away. 
Paul says, I want you to understand something. The light that was produced by the, the word of his mouth, when he spoke a word over you when you received his son, something happened. You see, when he spoke, life came into you. And listen, you've got to stop believing that there's some flickering candle. You've got to stop thinking that you're the little light that you're going to let it shine. You've got to remember that if the sun is so intense that it would melt us even if we got a little closer to it. What is inside of us? Because I believe that what God has put on the inside of every one of us is far greater than the sun. You see, some people through the centuries and the ages have worshipped the sun, S-U-N. But we worship the son of God. When we worship the Son of God, we worship the one who has birthed his bright light inside of us. How can we not stand out? We stand out. I love this proverb. It says this, and it should come up on the screen. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. In other words, here the, the writer Solomon is referring to a, the path of the righteous, someone who is a believer, someone who is righteous. That person is like the morning sun. When the sun comes up, when you see the sun come up and you feel the heat, that that same person is like that that person is like the sun coming up, bright. But actually, the more the day goes on, they intensify. In our lives, we're supposed to be going from glory to glory in our brightness. This morning, I was woke up at 4 a.m. Everyone is, no one's bothered. Four o'clock, I was woke up. Not because Emma woke me up, not because of an alarm clock, but because a lot of birds were singing outside my house. I was trying to shut the double glazed windows, but I tried to do it with my eyes closed. Because I, I tried to stay asleep while I'm walking. And I'm trying to shut the noise out. But these birds, they were going for it big time. You see, what that's called is the dawn chorus. The birds respond to the daylight coming. When the sun rises in the season, they respond with a loud singing. To the sun coming up. See, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but they respond to what is happening. If you look about the dawn chorus, you'll find this. It talks about that the reason why the birds do it is they make their presence known. They make their presence known and they settle, that they're settled in their territory. But they want to let people know. They certainly let me know this morning. The dawn chorus is about the fact that when the sun comes up, they respond in song. They respond with this loud singing. And the sound carries far. Why? Because in the morning, there's not as much sound. So you hear the sound traveling even more. Listen to me. Jesus has made a light shine in you that by the word of God's mouth, when you received Jesus, when you were born again of the Spirit, something happened in you and it is in, more intense than the sun. And what should happen in our lives is we should respond in dawn chorus. We should respond in song. We should respond in worship. And our sound should get louder. 
that people know our presence, that people know who we are. I want to ask you today, as you're singing, as your voice quietened, are you responding to the Son of God? Number two today is this, that they had spiritual authority. These apostles didn't just have some kind of representation of authenticity, but they had a spiritual authority. In Acts 5.18, it says this, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. See, Peter and John arrive in Samaria here. They arrive there, and then we see that they want to lay their hands upon people to receive the Spirit of God. This is where Simon the sorcerer's attention is caught. When he sees the apostles, Peter and John, place their hands upon new believers. And by the way, there's something here for you. If you want to know about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I just want to show you something. But when they place their hands upon them, Something happens so much so that Stephen the sorcerer, he wants what they've got. What does he see? I want to know what Simon the sorcerer sees. You see, if you pray for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he has to see something to know something's happened. To want this more than the thing he's already got. You see, he was already proclaimed as the great power of God. But now he sees that the apostles lay their hands upon these believers. And as they do, something happens. Something manifests. When it does, it makes him want what they have. We can't say this for sure. But I really believe that as they laid their hands upon them, they spoke in tongues. And as they spoke in tongues, it was a manifestation. Something occurred. Why do I believe that? Well, my personal belief is that in Acts chapter 19, when Paul arrives in Ephesus, you'll see as he arrives, he says, have you received the, the Holy Spirit when you believed? And the, the believers in Ephesus, the disciples said, no, all we've received is the baptism of John. And so it says that they laid their hands upon them. And as they did, as they laid their hands upon these people, these disciples, they received the Holy Spirit. Same thing that they did in this story we've just read in Acts chapter 8. They laid their hands upon the believers. And as they did, it says they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Same action. This time we get the description in Acts chapter 19. So I want to encourage you today that if you've never spoken in tongues before, there is an opportunity for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They came, it says, that they, to, to play, lay their hands upon them that they might receive. I believe that sometimes there's a blockage because sometimes we don't want to receive. We said, oh, I want Jesus. I want everything, but I don't want the tongues. I don't want to speak in tongues. I don't want any of that nonsense. Some of us are like that. But I want to tell you, the best thing I've ever done is being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Because listen to me, when life gets hard... What I do is this. I do what Paul encourages. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. I sing in the car in tongues. And as I do, it builds me up. It builds me stronger. It builds me stronger. Why? Because I begin to lose the words that I've got in English. I can't speak anymore in the things to say about God. Because my vocabulary is just not good enough from up north. My dictionary is limited. 
But when I get to the point where my words run out, I let the tap turn on and my soul and spirit begins to connect with God in a way I've never realized before. And when it does, the strength that comes from within me, it enables me to flow in the spirit. I want to encourage you today, you can be filled. Some of us don't want the tongues, but let me tell you, as Peter Cavanagh always says, you don't buy a pair of shoes and say, I don't want the tongues in them. You have everything. If you're saying, I'm worried about what tongues sounds like, don't worry about what you sound like. I'm more interested in my relationship with Jesus Christ than what people think about me. I'm not bothered what anyone thinks about me. I'm bothered about the fact that when I'm going through a trial, that I have the opportunity to speak in tongues, to worship my Jesus. Amen? When Simon saw this, he saw an evidential sign. And he saw, what did he see? He saw an authority. You see, when people, when they laid their hands upon them, he knew there was an authority. And let me tell you, in a true believer, you'll see an authority. And you're probably saying, well, I've not got no authority. Jesus has given you authority. There's a little surprise for you there. He's given you the ability to operate and function in his name. He's given you the ability to operate and represent him. He's given us authority. Where do we see this? In Matthew 10, in verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. We got it on the screen. Matthew 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Every disease and sickness. Verse 7, later on, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Did you know that Jesus has given you an authority? Some of us act sometimes like we're waiting for something, Jesus to do everything. He's given us authority to work in his name. To represent who he is. And I want to tell you today that the greatest victory that the devil has. The greatest victory that the devil has on us is that you forget the greatness of your authority in Christ. The greatest victory as over any believer is that you forget who you are. Sometimes the enemies had an attack at me and wanted me to forget how great God is. And then I don't operate in the same way. But I want to tell you, do not let the enemy rob you of the knowledge that you have authority in Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're going to influence the world. He loves it if you can't influence anyone. He loves it if you go into work tomorrow and you're ashamed of Jesus and you don't do anything or speak anything about Jesus. But the Bible says this, that if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us, Jesus, before the Father. If we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. And I want to encourage you today. We need to start to operate in the authority that he has given us. They had an authority that when they laid their hands upon people, something happened. Power came. And he saw it. And he knew this was distinctively different to what the world had. What God gives you is greater than anything that the world has to offer. It's better than anything that the world has to offer. He's given us authority. Matthew 10, we know that authority comes from that word Exousia, 
And it means to act, speaking a right to act or enforce power. Just the other day, I got a, a Facebook post came up on my profile inviting me to join the police. He said, in Essex Police, you can be a special, a special constabulary. Is that what it is? Special constable, sorry. I thought, what's this? So I clicked on it. Not that I'm thinking of being a policeman. But, you know, you, you end up getting led off in different directions. I thought, I'll just check this out. He said, you can be a special constable without any training. I thought, oh, if I ever meet anyone who wants to go into the police. And so I clicked on it, and it said this. It said, you can be a special constable. You don't get paid. Straight away, I went away. You know, voluntary. Who wants voluntary? Who wants to serve? I want money. And I, and I clicked on it. It said, you, the first line is, I think this is so it just gets rid of all the people that want money. You don't get paid. It says, but what you do get is this. You get all the representation of the police force. You get a uniform. Every single thing that they have, you can have. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I might go and get this uniform and just have a wander around Cambridge. How cool would that be? No training, just wander around with the uniform on, with the truncheon. In fact, I even went as far as to look if they did this in Cambridge as well. Emma's thinking of a new role, you know. Listen to me. This is what Jesus has done for you. He says, you don't need training. You don't need anything other than my word to you of authority given. I will give you the uniform. I will give you all the benefits from my kingdom. Why? Because I bought them on the cross. Everything is for you free. You can have the uniform. You can, re you can represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords for free. And by the way, it's voluntary work majority of the time. But some of us don't recognize this. We say, no, 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 this is, something's got to be wrong. I'm going to scroll down and find the small print that tells me something different because you cannot, it's impossible to get all of the authority of the police when I've not had any training. But the truth is this, Jesus says, I want to give you all authority. Why? Because I love you. Now, when you get the authority, what do you want to do? You want to learn. That's why people get the authority and then they want to learn more. So it's not wrong to learn, but sometimes God puts his spirit in someone and he draws them to himself. Then they want to learn. It's very different that way around. You see, some of us don't act in this authority because we don't think we've got any uniform whatsoever. We don't think we have anything that represents heaven or the kingdom of God, should I say. We act like we're just waiting for Jesus to come. I want to tell you, start to operate and put on that uniform. Start to think tomorrow. Do you know what? I'm going to take what the scripture says, that I am an ambassador of Christ. I'm representing the king. So I'm going to start stepping out in faith and praying for people to get healed. Because if the authority is inside of me, then I can act in authority. What Jesus is looking for is not your best prayer that you sound really good. He's looking for tomorrow for you to step over the line and do something that you're really scared of doing. And you're going to act in authority. Why? Because you're going to act like you're wearing kingdom uniform. 
even when you didn't think you deserved it. My friend, when I was younger, he used to tell me, he used to get a fluorescent jacket and a hairdryer, stand at the side of the road and pretend that he was the police. It's amazing how many cars slowed down. It's so much fun. When he was bored, he used to go and get a hairdryer and stand at the side of the road. People will slow down for a hairdryer in this country. Now, I'm not asking you to go and get a hairdryer tomorrow. I'm asking you to start stepping out in authority. To stand out for Jesus. Do something that you've not done before. Because I'll tell you what. The enemy does not want you to hear what I'm saying now. The enemy wants you to stay where you are. To not understand the authority that has been given. When we were out just a few weeks ago on the streets, I met a Muslim chap that night from Saudi Arabia. And I ended up praying with this Muslim. You may have heard the story, but as I spoke to him and I gave him the gospel that night on the streets, he told me he believed in Islam and he was from his country. That's all he'd ever known. And as I spoke to him at the end of sharing the gospel with him that night, I said, I really feel that the Lord just spoke to me. You've got a condition in your back in one of your discs at the bottom. This is operating in the word of knowledge, hearing what the Spirit is saying. And I spoke that to him, and he says, yes, I have. How did you know? I said, well, I believe our Jesus loves to tell us things, and he loves you so much that he wants you to know that. Can I pray for you? And we prayed, and God touched him, and he felt a buzzing down his back. Afterwards, I nearly just so close to leading to the law, but I never like to force anyone. So I said, you must make the decision for yourself. But listen to me, when, when we bring the authentic message of the gospel, when we stand out, when we act in authority, it attracts attention. And I'll tell you, in this day and age now, where you're seeing the atrocities that have happened this week, do you know what's happening? ISIS and all of these people are standing out from their crowd. They're what? They're not just... Listen to me. I want you to just see something because when we see these stories on TV, what they're doing is not perverting their religion. They're perfecting it. Their scriptures tell them to do these things. And that's why people don't talk about this. But their scriptures are telling them to do this. Now you can reject certain scriptures in the Quran just like you can reject in the Bible. I meet many Christians who say to me, I don't want to act in authority and pray for the sick because I believe that's from a long time ago. It's not for now. So I'm going to reject the bits that tell me that I can pray for the sick. We do it in the Christian circle. We reject things. We're not as fanatical. And then you meet someone who starts praying for the sick and believing for miracles. Believing that the dead can be raised. Come on. You meet these people and what does some of the Christian circles say? You are a fanatic. You're a radical one. It's the same principle. In the enemy's camp at the moment, he's producing radical ones who will believe what their scriptures say. There is no arguing. I'm not saying something today that is is off the charts and wrong. I'm telling you it's what their scriptures say. But some choose not to obey it. We're going to have more problems. You're going to see more and more things happen. Why? Because more and more people have been beginning to perfect what that says rather than pervert it. We are called to stand out from the crowd. In this hour, Robbie Dawkins, an evangelist, says this, God's gift to us is ability. Our gift to God is availability. God's gift to us is ability. Ability, the uniform, everything you need. Our gift to God is our availability. 
Will we give him ourselves and say, use me. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Everything I am. You see, I love the fact that Jesus said this. In John 16, 7, he said, it's good for you that I'm going away. I mean, what a crazy thing to say. Jesus, you're saying it's good that you're leaving? No, he says, it's good for you that I'm going. Why? Because unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, Jesus knew that by him leaving his physical body and ascending and leaving us on earth, he knew that it's the only way the Holy Spirit would come and what would produce new lights, but in lights in everyone who followed him. To have the ability to stand out from the crowd. Finally, number three. I believe that the apostles not only had authority and authenticity about them, but they had integrity. They had a spiritual integrity. Peter said in verse 20 of Acts 8 to the Simon and the sorcerer, he said, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Then later in verse 23 says, For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Listen to me. To stand out for God, you need authenticity. You need the fact that you have that identity of Christ, that authority that you believe you have. But listen to me. Simon the sorcerer did not understand that his heart needed to be right. We need to have integrity in our Christian lives. We need to be consistent in our hearts. We need to be consistent with what's happening on the outside as the inside. You can operate in miracles, pray for the sick, but if inside of you is, 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 is wasting away, then God doesn't want to use someone like that. Now you can still have the gift and operate in that gift. But listen to me. He's looking for people with integrity. He's looking for people with a good heart. And so Simon says, I believe in Jesus, the sorcerer. I believe in him and I want to follow. I'm going to follow you guys around. Then he sees the authority. He says, I want this authority. Will you let me buy this from you? So he now wants to buy the authority. And he tries to get this, but then they see in him, they say, there's something in your heart that's not right. You have no part in this ministry, Simon, because you're wanting to buy the gift of God. You're trying to purchase something when it comes freely. You've not understood this correctly. Listen, you're probably saying, I'm not a Simon the sorcerer. You can be like a Simon the sorcerer. You can be one who actually wants the gifts for your own benefit. You want the gifts. You want the ability to pray for the sick so that you can look good. You want the ability to operate in the prophetic so that you can sound good. So that people like you for your gift rather than what's happening in your heart. And I want to tell you today that God is not looking for charisma. He's not looking for someone who looks good. It doesn't matter how you look, whether you say, well, I don't look like the people on God TV. I don't sound like them, and I want to sound like these people with authority. God is saying, I'm more interested in your heart than what you look like. It's not about charisma. It's not about what you look like. It's about our hearts and the consistency of God. What do we see here? Simon the sorcerer, he had had everything going for him. 
He had supernatural credentials. If you'd have walked into an interview with Simon the sorcerer and said, look, you want to come and receive the gift? Okay, well, tell us about you. Well, I've had people following me for a long time. I've been doing supernatural acts. People love me. I've got the audience. I've got the followers. I've got the ability. I know what it's like. I can operate in the supernatural. In fact, he ticked all of the boxes. He ticked everything. The ability to operate. The crowds loved him. But God knew that his heart wasn't right. God's not interested in how many followers you've got on Twitter. God's not interested in how many people like you on Facebook. God's not interested in how many people like your Instagram photos. God's not interested in these things. He's interested in this. Inside. The hearts. That consistency. That represents what's going on on the outside when we act and follow him. And we move in power. Is our hearts in sync with our actions? See, I've put here that God is not looking for a good impression on the outside. But a God impression on the inside. I'll say that again. God is not looking for a good impression on the outside, but a God impression on the inside. I want to tell you today, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who inside of them, God is doing something. Doing something so unique. You know, there's been times in my life where I felt that the gift has got too much and I've been focusing more on gift than I have God. And so I used to say to God, I used to say, God, I don't want to focus on gift. I want to spend some time with you. I want to focus on you, not the gift. So I used to step back and I'd say, God, it's time to step away from that because I want to make sure that my priority is right. That my heart is right. Not focusing on gift. Look, we can have miracle after miracle. We can have healing after healing. God wants us to do this. He wants us to operate in authority and authenticity. But he's more interested in integrity. He's more interested in the foundation he builds on. Because I believe this. That integrity is the preface to authenticity and authority. It's the prelude. It's the thing that comes before anything. And God's saying, I'm looking for hearts that are right. You know, there's some people who they've gone off course. They're still operating in gift and authority, but they've lost the ability to understand integrity. I want to remind you today that that is one of the key components. He's looking for that God impression. I want to tell you that integrity comes from a Latin word, integra. And I don't know if you know what that means. It means whole and complete. Integrity comes from the word integra, which means whole and and complete. In other words, when we act with spiritual integrity, godly integrity, what God is saying to us is, I want wholeness. I want not just what's on the outside to look good, but I want on the inside everything about you to be whole and complete in me. Everything. I want to ask you today that is your life representing everything about God? When you leave here today and you go to your family, is God represented before them? Is he represented in everything you do? I believe to truly stand out, God needs to reflect in all of our lives. Every avenue, 
every facet of our lives. Before I just come to a close, if the worship team could be ready just to come back. But I just want to draw your attention to one thing in a story of 1 Samuel 16, 6 to 7. Many of you know King David, or should I say Shepherd Boy David. He was recognized by God in 1 Samuel 13 as a man after his own heart. So he was recognized as someone who had the ability to follow after God's heart. His heart was in sync with God. That's why I believe that David was selected to be king. I really believe that his heart was the thing that God saw. We know that David did many things wrong. He did some, some silly things, some stupid things, haven't we all, in our lives. But it wasn't the external actions. It was his heart that God loved above everything. And I want to just show you here that in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 to 7, we read the story of when David is about to be anointed king privately without Saul knowing. And we read this. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely... The Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. That is David's brother. He saw someone who looked the part. He had the credentials. He looked like he was wearing the uniform already. He said, surely this one. Surely Eliab is the one. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. In other words, he said this. When he arrived there, he was almost distracted by seeing what he saw. Samuel arrives, and many of you know this, we can easily get distracted. But let me tell you, God does not get distracted by what we look like, however good you look. It doesn't matter who you are. He looks at the heart. He sees today right now in this room. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. If you want to stand out for God, then your heart needs to be right. And some of us, I believe we've got everything going for us on the outside, but the inside is rotting away. The inside is actually nowhere near representing the outside. We look great. We've done this. We've done that. We've got another thing ticked off for God. But God's saying, look, you've lost track. You need to get your heart right. Your heart needs to be right before me. Because I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. God wants us to stand out for Him. And in this generation, in this hour, the thing that you need more than anything is not the ability to use gifts and spiritual gifts. The ability you need is for your heart to be right. Because I'll tell you what, if your heart's right, you'll be able to take that gift where your character can hold you. Your character will be able to hold the gift. Because some of us, sometimes our character can't hold the gift. Why? Because we did it the other way around. We wanted the gifts. We forgot about integrity. We forgot about the heart. And now we got problems. 
Because what do we do now? We try to impress and keep up the impression. There used to be a program on many years ago on TV called Keeping Up Appearances. Some of you remember it if you're from this country. Someone who tried to keep up the appearance. And I just sensed the Spirit of God just tell me that. I wasn't planning to say that, but I sensed the Spirit of God saying right now, there are people here in this room today who are trying to keep up appearances. You're trying to keep up appearances. You're trying to be someone you're not. You're trying to be someone you're not. I just feel the Holy Spirit right now. And He's saying, I don't want you to keep up appearances. I'm not calling you to do that. I'm not calling you today to try and keep up a pretense, try and create a good impression. All I want to do, son, all I want to do, daughter, is to just put a God impression on the inside of you. I just want my spirit to come and fill you again. So you're overflowing with me, not yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for this. I'm thirsty for the spirit of God. Some of us get dry, don't we? Some of us get dry. But I want to tell you that Jesus today, I really sense he just wants to just fill some people afresh. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.